the word of the Lord from the gospel lesson, verse 16 of Luke chapter 24, which says this, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our risen and ascended Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Those of you gathered here and, and joining us through our, our media ministry, when's the last time you've been to the eye doctor? You don't have to answer it for my sake. Some of you are thinking, ah, oh, it's been too long and I'm not sure I want to go, but that's all right. I'm going to give you an uh, uh, eye test today of sorts. Uh, not one of those that has the different letters on the chart with the big E at the top and so forth, but, but actually just looking at some images. And, and please, resist your Lutheran tendency not to speak out loud at this point and tell me what you see. What do you see? Stairs? Okay, yeah, you're right, don't worry, you're right. Now, just with your eyes, just trace your stairs until you come to the top. Just start anywhere and get to the top. Are you there yet? Have you reached the top? How many have gone around once, twice, three times? In case you're not familiar with it, that is uh, what's called Usher's uh, never-ending stairway. It's an optical illusion of sorts. All right, what do you see here? Go ahead, say it. A lady with a hat, okay. Uh, a beautiful young woman, or, or so it looks, right? Where her head is kind of facing off to her right. You see just a little bit of her nose. And is there like a feather in her hat too? Does anybody see a different lady? If you've seen this before, you know what to look for. But there actually is also another lady there. Probably a much older lady who happens to have, uh, let's just say she's well endowed with a smelling organ. Um, and uh, kind of looks like she might have some of the same heritage that, that I have in my family, namely a little bit of Polish. Can you, can you see her? Or, or maybe your eyes aren't catching that. There is another lady there. All right, what do you see? Well, you can see that one clearly, I bet. I know, for one thing, I know many of you have seen it before because I've used it before. But in case you haven't seen that before, maybe you're just seeing some lines and squiggles. But the name Jesus is there. And likewise, this next image, this last one, may be, in fact, something you've seen before. You may know exactly what it is right away. But if you've never seen that before, you might think that's one of those ink blot tests, don't you think? You know, where they take the ink blocks and, and open it up and say, what do you see, and so forth. But once you've seen it, you, you know the point. You know of what you're supposed to be able to see. Well, the reason I bring up vision is because that's precisely what is talked about in this Luke 24 account, the Emmaus Road disciples. And that word that we just heard, that verse 16, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. They couldn't see clearly. And so we get to talk a little bit about vision and what it is that may cause us not to be able to see clearly what it means to, if you will, have a visual impairment. 
So why couldn't they recognize him? Well, I suppose as you read these words, you could imagine that they were not expecting to see him. That they had different things in their mind. The last person they expected to see was Jesus. And when you're not expecting to see somebody, you often don't recognize. Even somebody near and dear to you. Ever have that happen where you run into somebody at some place? Maybe you're on vacation, who knows where, far from home, and, and you don't even realize it, but there you are standing next to your neighbor as you're looking at the Grand Canyon or something like that. And it takes a while to realize, oh, That's who that is. I don't know if that was what was going on. Maybe their fears and their doubts kept them from seeing Jesus for who he was. Maybe their own tendency to be inward thinking and inward looking. The medical word for that is myopia, isn't it? A very nearsightedness. And they were only thinking about themselves and therefore they couldn't see that Jesus was there with them. And then finally, you know, as I read these words, it it may have been any of those things. But it also seems to indicate that this was something that was kept from them. As if it was something from outside of themselves. Almost like it was a God thing, so to speak. That the reason they couldn't recognize Jesus was because God kept them from recognizing him. That's an interesting thought. Because if God would choose in this case for his purposes to keep someone from recognizing what was really before them. I wonder if that ever has happened to anyone else or even happens today. Now... Besides our physical eye limitations that some of us may have, as many of you may know, I happen to be significantly visually impaired. I have a a hereditary degenerative eye disease known as retinitis pigmentosa, which is also known as RP for short. And although I'm very thankful for the vision that I do have, because compared to somebody who cannot see at all, who is completely blind, I can see a lot. But having said that, I know that uh, not many of you would hand me the keys to your car so that I could drive you home today. I am significant. That's why I use a visual magnifier, video magnifier, and other things. That's why it's often very, very difficult for me to recognize somebody, even if I'm standing right close to them, because I'm not able to see the details or the image that most people can in terms of knowing who someone is. There's any kind of number of reasons why we might not be able to physically not see clearly. But today we get an opportunity to make that translation between our physical vision and of course our spiritual vision. The ability to see Jesus clearly and to see the world around us as God would have us to see it. But the truth is, many times we are spiritually visually impaired. Maybe we also are so nearsighted at times that we are so focused on our own lives, 
on what's happening in our schedule, on our calendar, with our family, with the responsibilities that we have from day to day, so focused on making sure that we look good in the sight of everyone else, making sure that all of our responsibilities are covered and so forth, that we don't even see the opportunities around us. Like someone who is very nearsighted can see this, but when we look up, it's nothing but blurry, unrecognizable images of those who might be able to be in need, or dare even, I say, that Jesus himself is with us. Maybe we're affected by an inability to see clearly because of our fears, because of our doubts, because of our uh, the issues going on in our lives. Maybe there's any number of reasons. And maybe, is it possible that it could be a, a God thing? That we're not able to see as clearly as, as we might like the situation at hand or why things happen the way they do because God is at work in some way? Whatever the case, perhaps we can identify with these Emmaus Road disciples. Cleopas, we're told, and his friend. But their inability to recognize Jesus changed, as we heard. They first of all poured out their hearts in one way to this stranger who came along beside them and played, quote, dumb as he asked, what's going on? And they let him know what they were feeling. You haven't heard? You haven't heard about Jesus? Oh my gosh, you, you must be a complete stranger to Jerusalem because everybody knows about Jesus. He, we thought he was the Messiah. He was great. He did miracles. He taught. People were coming after him. There was all kinds of, of palm branches one day and everything was going great. We thought he was the anointed one. And then all of a sudden it all switched. The next thing we know, this nightmare happened. He's, he's arrested and betrayed and he's handed over and we saw him suffer and he even was crucified. He died. And now we don't know what to think. Is he, was he a false prophet? What was he? And then this morning, to add to all this, all of a sudden some of the ladies that are with our group, they went to the tomb and said they didn't see him and there were angels that said he is alive. We have no idea what's going on. You can sense the passion in their voices, in their conversation, and how troubled they were. And yet, you have Jesus, who gently says to them, isn't this what the Bible talked about? And beginning with that passage from Moses and the prophets, we're told. Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible, of course. And through the prophets, you get the feeling that Jesus, from that point on, started maybe at the beginning. And maybe he looked at each of the books of the Bible and he said, Don't you remember what it said here about the Christ? And don't you remember here that it said the Christ had to suffer and to die? Don't you remember learning Isaiah chapter 53 and so forth and so on? And it says the scriptures were opened to them. They poured out their hearts. They spent 
time with Jesus in the word. And then when they came to their town, they wanted to spend even more time with them. And why it says what what it does about how Jesus says he acted as if he was going further. And and these two disciples said, no, come in. You got to stay with us. Have dinner. And then as they were sitting at the table and Jesus took the bread and he broke it and he gave thanks. And then we're told this incredible thing took place. And their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. Just like that. Their eyes were opened and they could see that it was Jesus. And as they reflected back, they knew something was different. Their heart had been burning as they were hearing the word and as they were spending time with this man. And of course, in the breaking of the bread, they recognized who he was. And they came to realize that this this stranger was the one who had died for them. For all of their fears and for all of their doubts, for all of their sins and for all of the times where they did not see what God had intended for them to see. And this Easter season is once again an opportunity for us to be reminded that our eyes have been opened in the very same way. No matter when it's taken place in your heart or in your life, no matter how often it comes over and over again to us, God chooses to open our eyes so that we can see clearly and that we can realize that Christ has died for us and he's risen. To give us hope and joy and peace and the courage to make a difference in the world. In a few moments after the Apostles' Creed, you're going to learn about filling out a a survey that's in your pews. Don't look at it yet. But it gives us an opportunity to identify those gifts and talents and passions that God has given to us by which we may be able to To follow God's command to go and make disciples, to help those, and to help open the eyes of those who can't see. And that's what we get to focus on now, because now making the connection between being able to see with the eyes of faith and what it's like to work with somebody, to minister to somebody, to talk with somebody, to interact with somebody who can't spiritually see Maybe there can be some carryovers from working with somebody who is physically not able to see very well. In my visual impairment experiences, I've had a lot of experiences with people and interactions. And some of them have been absolutely wonderful. And others of them have not been always the most positive. Because not everybody... Is aware or not everybody perhaps has thought about what it means to be visually impaired and maybe there's something that we can learn from that and so as we have this command to to make disciples to help others see clearly I think the first thing that we maybe should keep in mind is that every single person whether they can see spiritually clearly or not 
should certainly be treated with respect and recognize that they are a made by God and that they are in fact precious in his sight. It doesn't always happen with the visually impaired. I can tell you any number of times where because somebody doesn't know or I, I kind of have a look on me a lot of times where I maybe look lost and so forth and so well-meaning people have uh, certainly come up and but sometimes in less than tactful ways have really wanted to know what my problem is. What's the problem? Can't you see? Do you need glasses? And, uh, you know, you try to come up with answers that don't betray the, the hurt as, as much as you may feel it, but, you know, something like, I wish it were as simple as glasses, but um, people don't necessarily want to hear about that. But yet to know that somebody can treat with respect and come alongside and say, is there something I can help you with? To listen, perhaps. As the Emmaus Road disciples poured out their heart to Jesus, not that I'm looking to do that every time I encounter somebody, but it's always interesting to know when somebody seems to express a true interest in knowing what I may deal with. And so to treat with respect somebody who may not be a believer that there's not necessarily anything wrong with them, that it may not be their fault that they can't see Jesus, but maybe it's a God thing, if that's possible. Maybe there's some reason we're not aware of, and maybe we just need to come alongside. You know there's more people that can't see clearly than they even realize. We might say, well, I don't know if I know anybody who, who doesn't see Jesus clearly. Uh, in the UK, right around Easter, there was a survey of, of Christians, of self-identified Christians in Great Britain about Jesus and the resurrection. And 25% of self-identified Christians said that they did not believe that Jesus rose from the dead. Christians who can't see. There are people need to see more clearly and so perhaps the second thing we can do is to come along and to care for those to, dem to demonstrate a genuine caring spirit of being interested of knowing what the concerns and the challenges may be I can tell you that when somebody does that for me with a friendly way and, and if, if they can see that sense that something isn't quite right they might just say well is there something I can help you with and to definitely take interest and to know what's going on. And I wonder if that isn't what we're called to do, certainly, as you probably already do, to those who need to be able to see more clearly. And finally, one of the best things that I can tell you I've appreciated, my wife does this, and obviously she's had to learn how to do this perhaps, and but she does it so graciously, and, and my kids as well, and, and many of you who I've gotten to know. But one of the things that helps me the most is not somebody saying, can't you see that? Or um, isn't it obvious? Or what's your problem? But rather just taking the opportunity to have them tell me what they see. I may or may not be able to see it, but to have somebody simply say, oh, I don't know if you can see this or not, but wow, this tree over here has such a beautiful shade of pink. It's in complete blossom. 
oh, it's just gorgeous. Or, or this sunset is just amazing. I don't know if you can see those colors, but this is what I see. Imagine how powerful an impact that can have. Where we're not telling somebody what they're supposed to see or finding a reason why they don't see, but rather simply sharing with them what we see. To tell someone what Jesus looks like. What he's like in our lives. What we see him, how we see him at work, how he has been at work and been so gracious and loving to us and what that means for our lives. How can anybody go wrong with telling that? It's so powerful to be able to take the opportunity to help someone else see Jesus. Because by grace, we've been given the ability to see him. And by grace, perhaps someone else will be able to see him as well. In Jesus' name, amen.